This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, and welcome to Shh. I'm watching a movie. I'm Alessandra Andravite. And uh, you're listening to the podcast where Alex and I talk through an entire movie. Now, this is the edited version, uh, which means that we edit out all the stuff that you don't want to hear, which is us basically silently watching a movie and or me telling Alex about my plans that day. So it's for your pleasure. And so if anything doesn't make sense to you or you're like, oh, that's a weird edit, it's because we edited it for you. Anyways, enjoy watching a movie with us. Yeah. Hello, Hello. <laughs> and welcome to. Shh, I'm watching a movie. Move. You got a whole like girl girl group hand <laughs> movement to that. I put, I put my my thing to my mouth, my finger to my mouth. This is a Sunday a Sunday recording, which I don't think we've ever done. We do. We've done a couple. Really? But, like but you're in the schedule since then. I used to be in the schedule. It was like 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 we did like one or two. It was rare. Random. Anyway. Anyways, uh, we got to let, let's let's introduce the movie and move through it. Let's call this bad boy um, our equivalent of a heavy hitter. Yeah. <laughs> this bad boy is. I know Kalenko will not like this movie. Yeah, I'm not gonna enjoy this at but all. But he might enjoy it because it's so extreme. We're watching <clears throat> Sex in the City, the movie. The year two thousand and eight. The right time before the financial <laughs> crash. The, the running length of the film. Two hours and 25 minutes. What is this fucking The Godfather? Like, did they have to cover this much time? We really get to wrap. So here's my, uh, I want to hit play. Yeah, press play. Because we have time. And also get ready because, okay, okay. The first two minutes is a recap of the entire television show. Press play. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. As you wait, hold on. I I, I press play. I want to put on subtitles. Oh yeah, put on subtitles. Um, I'll I'll take you to where we were. So this movie came out what like five years after the TV show, and I was like too young for the TV show. Yeah, I still watched all of it, but this movie came out when I was like the appropriate age for the movie to come out, and I've never felt so excited for something in my entire life. I, <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is like what I felt like for the X Files movie. And then was so disappointed with. Yeah, so this one I was excited about, but as it kept going on, I kept being like, it's not like the show at all. <laughs> and when this played, yeah. and then they switch it to a Fergie song, <laughs> where she just raps brands. And the theme of the Far- Fergie song is, I'm not looking, I'm looking for labels and I'm looking for love. Like, truly. <laughs> <laughs> If Alex is ever going to go on a tangent about the hideousness of capitalism. So here's what bothers me about the movie. I'll put it out there. If you want it lower, make it lower. What bothers me about the movie is um, the show was not label obsessed. She wore clothes that that were nice. What happens is the first three seasons... Darren Starr took care of it. He was the showrunner. 
Okay. And then this little psychopath, Michael Patrick King, comes along and slowly shifts the show into becoming heavily about clothing and materialism okay. and about all the actors being as cartoonish as possible in their performances. So the first three seasons is legit, real, relatable stories about dating in the like late 90s, early 2000s New York. Mm. And then a twist happens, and Michael Patrick King did this, and he wrote this film completely. He wrote it and directed it. Uh, that's very funny, because my entire memory of the show was my dad got into it <laughs> and tried to get my mom to watch it. And my mom watched the episode and went, this is dumb and misogynistic. Yes. And then my dad kept watching it. And then one time she was teasing him, being like, why don't you watch a stupid show? And he's like, this season sucks. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so it's not misogynistic 100%. Uh, it's, it's, what just, I, it's just my mom. It's like, this is like the kind of thing that would turn my mom off. What I would call it, though, is gay misogyny. These men that believe that they identify... And I didn't come up with this term. Uh, it's men that are gay that believe they can identify with a woman's struggle and a woman's knowing because they are gay. And listen, if you're gay, you're a minority as well and you yeah. have your own struggles, but you can't know what it's like to be a woman. And mm. Michael Patrick King fancies himself to know what it's like to be a woman dating and being a mother and all this stuff. Mm. And it's apparent. The only character that he writes well for is Samantha Jones, because Samantha is a gay man. Okay. She's a gay man. The way that she's actively sexual and all that stuff. I have a lot to say about this. I mean, you, I feel like, like you're, you're, you're going to burn out, though, because apparently we need two hours I and 25 minutes. I could write a dissertation on this. But the fact this show was on the air was, like, new. You know? What do you mean? Like, like, like there was no show like this before. Now no, there's tons of shows like it now. Not only was there no shows like this, women changed how they s interacted with their friendships because of this show. Because it was four women who sat and talked openly about sex in a way, mm -hmm. like not just relationships, but like, I'm fucking this guy and he has weird sperm. Like stuff like that. Yeah. Like women did not, it, that was not a thing that women did. Um, mainstream and then all of a sudden the show happens and like fucking teenagers talk like this now yeah I do feel like that is kind of a thing I didn't realize till later that like you know I, I and this is going to sound weirdly reductive but you'll follow me on this one we're being re weirdly reductive with this anyway yeah 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 uh, of that like you know it's uh Three to five white women get brunch and then think they're like having like Socrates debates <laughs> That is reductive. I'll tell you why. <laughs> I know it is. I <laughs> let it in. I, I know why it's reductive, but I feel like that's like downstream of the show. In 1999, the four women having brunch and talking about men and stuff like that was revolutionary. Now it is sexist because it's like what all we can talk about is men. <laughs> that being said, I mostly talk about men. You know, I, I, I edit this podcast. I hear a lot of what you say. But is that my socializing? Is that where I come from? That's something. Is you're that from in. watching Sex in the City like in grade six? I don't know. I think that's like, I don't know. That's like a, a, a chicken egg, I guess. Yeah, it's both because I my sisters aren't like that. This is a specific. I, I was always like kind of like not a sexual kid, but I definitely had crushes always. Mm -hmm. So I guess it is chicken egg. Oh, here's, the, here's another thing I know about Sex and the City. Okay. And just because it was a joke that made me laugh, but I didn't understand the context, is uh, you can tell Sex and the City is true fantasy because she writes one article a week and can afford a... <laughs> oh, 
That is beyond. She writes one article a week for a ter- for a newspaper, and she lives in a giant studio apartment on the Upper East Side. Oh, sorry, is she Upper? No, she's Lower West Side. <laughs> what an idiot I am! In '99, that's when it was up and coming. Yeah, she had a brown sword. So, <sighs> Carrie dated Mr. Big. Her two major boyfriends on the television show were Mr. Big and Aiden. He's called Mr. Big because he's a big spender, and she had hit his anonymity. <laughs> she gave him anonymousness. Um, anonymity. Yes, for her uh, newspaper column, and then it just stuck that his name was Mr. Big. Mm. He is a classic, if we talk about that book, Attached, he is a classic avoidant. And she was classic needy, needy. And so watching the first two seasons where it's like he is being a complete asshole and you don't understand why, you realize that he's, they're not meant to be together, he's never going to change, and they have a very satisfying ending to their relationship in the series. Mm-hmm. And then season six comes and they just jam this plot point where Carrie has to end up with Mr. Big. And it's a bummer. <laughs> so we are living in a world where Carrie has been dating Big for five years. And he's a super millionaire, so they're going to buy this like crazy pat. Pa- what's it called? Penthouse? Penthouse. How you doing? Not well. I feel like I'm hungover even though I didn't drink. Yeah. God, there's so much to say about sex in the city. <laughs> but there's I need a true you, blind spot I have. I need you to... Okay, I have a couple of thoughts. So Miranda is the most realistic of the women. Which one's Miranda? Red? The redhead. Yeah. They've totally styled her in a way that she wasn't like in the show until the sixth season. It's what we kind of loved about Miranda. She would wear insane, stupid things. Uh, Charlotte, her her storyline throughout the, the, the show was like, Charlotte really wanted to get married. She wanted to be like really classic feminine woman. And what happened was she married a guy who was like the perfect dude and he had erectile dysfunction and it fucked up their marriage. And she divorced him. Uh, And then um, she married her divorce lawyer. And she really wanted a baby but she has fertility issues and that was like a big thing with her, her character. Miranda was a lawyer who accidentally got pregnant by one of her boyfriends uh, and she ended up keeping the baby, and now she's married to that boyfriend because they fell in love, which is very sweet. And Steve is my ideal man in, in terms of all the men on the show. Steve's the hottest one. I'm not gonna lie to you; that all <laughs> souped into one thing. Like I've no, I've, I, I didn't hold. I tried. I really did. No. Like, I mean, I'm locked in this Thunderdome for a while, Some and I tried really hard to hold on to the information and couldn't grab. It was like a slippery little. Like I, none of it mattered to me. It was amazing. It was amazing how many words you said, and I. Re- Retained none of them. <laughs> I just think you're sexist. <laughs> so now Samantha okay, was Samantha. the classic. She had sex. She might have a sexual addiction. Like Samantha might have a problem. She slept with a lot of guys. That was her thing. She was the most sexually active of the women. Yeah. Even though Miranda fucked a lot, if you look back at the se- the series, and Carrie for being a sex writer, like a sex columnist, is so sex shamey and is so not open. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's the time when the show came out. But now Samantha's been dating this guy, Smith Jared, who's like a younger actor. She's been dating him since the last season. She had cancer in the last season of the show. Mm-hmm. And he stayed with her through that, and she loves him and blah, blah, blah. So that's who she's with. And she's living in L.A. right now managing him because she was a PR person, and now she's his manager. So it just starts with an auction? So they're going to an auction because Samantha wanted to buy this ring, but it's also a metaphor because it's this woman who they're talking. 
she was with this really rich dude and they didn't get married. And then he leaves her out of nowhere and she has to auction off all her jewelry. Uh, I mean, she had the million dollar jewelry saying she didn't have anywhere to live. Is I'm sure I'm sure she'll be fine. Yeah. So basically what it's saying is like you got to be financially independent or else you'll fuck yourself over. It's like don't tie yourself to another human being. That is the metaphor of them going to that auction, essentially. OK, so it's not horrible. I, it's, 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 right, right now it just looked like showy. You it's know? mirroring Carrie's storyline, which is she's moving in with Big, but they're not married. And she's much poorer than him, even yeah. though she's very rich. Uh, and Did so, you, have you ever lived with a boyfriend? No, I've never lived with a partner. Wow. I know. You, because I lived with two. I would love to live with a partner. You say that. Yeah. It's tough. You don't yeah. think it's tough? And it's fun, and then it's you realize that nothing's special about your relationship anymore. Am I getting too old to live with one? I feel like I'll never live no, with one. No, I think one, it's though. probably easier the older you are. Yeah. So it, the, the, let me describe to you that the, the downfall of both those relationships are directly related to us moving in together. Uh, of like, of like, you live with someone and then like it becomes that you're always there, and you don't necessarily always want to be like relationshipy, right? And like when I say relationshipy, not being like you're a different person, but it's being like, I don't know, I'm on my computer doing bullshit. But I like a parallel play. Like I like, I feel like I lived with Ben even though we didn't live together. I was at his place like four days a it week. Changed, it changed it because t- you're at his place four days a week. But what if he's at his place seven days a week? I would be. <laughs> I loved Ben's place. I wish I could have lived there. I wish I took it instead of him. I'm an idiot. I found it for him. Um, no, it's, it's, it just kind of like no, the, I know. No, the I novelty no goes away so much faster than you think it does unless you put like the effort into keep it there. Well, here what's happening with me is because I lived at home for so long, like very used to living with a lot of people. Yeah. And then when I moved out, I moved with a group of people and I had a lot of people in my life still. Like, who cared about my goings, my ins and outs of the house is what it felt like. Mm. And now, for the past year that I've been living, truly, like, with roommates that don't care about my comings and goings, and, Mm. like, I feel kind of, like, alone when I go home, I've really started to appreciate that. And I don't know if I'll be able to go back. (laughs) Like, I'm one of those people that now sleeps in the middle of my bed. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm so weirdly conditioned to not. Like, even when it's just me, I sleep on one side. I don't know what's going on with me, though, because I wanted a relationship for a while, and I decided very strongly that I wanted, like, a partner in, like, the fall, I decided. Well, I remember there's a video of you at Sketcherson screaming, I'm going to get married this year. Oh, I still think that's going to happen. Come on! <laughs> I'm getting married! Okay, so um, what's happening in the movie is now Carrie is getting married to Big because so... Um, that they can own the apartment together. This is I can't grab onto this plot at all. Well, it's it's a pretty simple plot. No, it's no, no, all no, no, no. relationship it's based. Simple, but it's, it's just me. Like it hits me, and I'm just like, oh, like it's like it's all like it's right at the beginning. And like, no, I don't like all of them. It's like, well, I'm gonna like the next few bits. See, I just don't like that these characters aren't who they're supposed to be. Like Carrie used to be this like well Sarah Jessica Parker is a good actor in the first three seasons of the show and then Michael Patrick King comes and she starts doing things like when she's listening in a conversation she'll make a face like oh oh what (laughs) like she gets very pantomime-y and it doesn't make any sense because that's not who she was also the difference is that the camera's pulled back a little bit 
in comparison to the like the original like first three seasons it's probably much closer and it feels much more intimate and you pull it back a bit and it feels much more broad. Yeah, the, the camera is pulled back because it became about the clothes. So they yeah. literally need to get the whole like, outfit and shoes in the frame, which is apparently... Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, see, look, they have to include her shoes in the yeah, frame. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what? That is, that's 100% yeah. why this is like... Also, I'm like, this is ugly. Like, I don't understand it. It's because it's doing these full body shots in the middle of nowhere. Because we're not... we're. If we're not watching this now the show was actually really well put together too like it was directed very interestingly and like the colors were really nice and all that stuff well, and it this, was like hbo's like trying to do like female sopranos that was the whole directive i oh i thought that this was before the sopranos i'm actually this was pretty after. certain it was before the sopranos but i might be wrong know, see how samantha up. has put her legs up on her desk it'll go back it's because we got to know that she's wearing hot pink shoes to match her outfit that's what this is about. But but it's like um It's Barbies. This is like real life Barbie for adult women. It's mm. a cartoon. Pranos is ninety nine. Sex and the City is ninety eight. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my god, I thought it was the other way around. Because this was like their like I it was like Sopranos Sex and the City where like HBO's first big hit. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the first time that people took the show serious, the, the, the thing seriously. Yeah, yeah. People hated this movie, right? Yeah, people had problems with it. I think it was decently reviewed. It was like, well, no. It, it was either people think it was fine mm-hmm. or the worst thing they've ever seen in the history of the world. I think it was about the reviews for like Sex and the City 2 where it was like... Oh. <laughs> Sex and the City 2 is a fucking nightmare. Yeah? Yeah. That one I would almost watch with you because, see, this one's almost good, and this is why it's not as fun. Okay. It's almost okay. Whereas Sex and the City 2 is full camp. It starts with a gay couple getting married and Liza Minnelli singing All the Single Ladies. That's how it starts. That's the first 15 minutes. And that one's also like two and a half hours. I hope when I'm 40 it's not like... I don't know. This show makes me think about age a lot because I'm the same age as as they were when the show started and it was all about like dating in your 30s. It's really hard. You're like, oh, it's not like that at all. It's not like that at all. I also don't feel 30s. But what does that even mean? I mean, we just grew up poor. We're the 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 downwardly mobile generation. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I don't feel 30s because our version of what 30s are, people who've accumulated wealth and now like spend it on whatever they want. Whereas we're downwardly mobile, so we're like, well, I guess I'm still living like I'm in my twenties, where I'm buying the cheapest beer. Like, yeah, I know, eh? I say that, but I'm going to Barcelona on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, that's like a like, but you're going to Barcelona on Tuesday to go back to your roommate apartment where you like make your own food. Yeah, when I mean, we should all home. make our own food. Well, sorry, when I say make my make your own food, I mean like you're just like, all right, I bought a cheap soup, like. So, Carrie, what's happening is she ro- works for Vogue. She'll write for Vogue. And they're featuring her for, like, being a bride at any age. And this is the definition of how the show never used to be. They are now doing, like, a full montage. Yeah. And it's like this show was never like this. Until the fourth season. And then it, it all bets were off. What happened to the old showrunner? Like, did he just... Darren Starr, he just left it. He was like, I'm done here? Yeah, I think he moved on to something else. I also have a strong feeling that Michael Patrick King like edged him out. Like I I am making this up fully, but I feel like he's a very difficult man and when he got his hooks into it, he also like Sarah Jessica Parker really likes him. Oh yeah? Yeah, she loves him. So I don't know. 
I, I, oh man, look at that phone. Yeah. That's the one thing that's great about Sex and the City. They all have really old technology, even when the show was happening. Oh yeah? Yeah, they, not, no one was on the cutting edge of technology. That's so funny. Actually, this, okay, I have a metaphor, not a metaphor. I have like my thesis of this movie versus yeah. Iron Man. So. These did come out the same. Iron Man and Sex and the City, the movie came out the same weekend. Really? Yeah. They came out the same weekend, the same year, same everything. And they both did really well. Iron Man had really good reviews, mm. and Sex and the City did not. Mm. To me, similar idea of film, except one is for men and one is for women. Like, very obviously targeted towards, like, yeah, men, yeah, yeah. women. They, the problem with Sex and the City that a lot of reviewers had, and they would, launch, like, really dig into them, is consumerism, materialistic. It's really, really <laughs> shallow, right? And then you watch Iron Man, and it's like... Pro-military. Pro-military, but also extremely shallow. Yeah. Everything is like the new car, the new computer, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. That doesn't even kind of get mentioned. So it's like Sex of the City is bad because this is materialism for women, and Iron Man is good because, oh, technology, that's useful. How the fuck is a fancy little phone use any more useful than a fancy little dress? You got to wear clothes. You got to talk on the phone. They don't need to be so fancy, both of them. But one is okay and one is not. That's a good point. That is my that I've been saying this since two thousand and eight. I want. I also would love if Sex and the City had a very pro military message. As well. <laughs> <laughs> that was called out, like like Carrie Bradshaw was like, "Well, we're bombing the country because we need their they're, they're bad." Like Sex and the City is brutal when it comes to talking about politics. Oh my god! They have a, a season where Carrie dates a politician. He's like a, a comp troller. Yeah, yeah, and they have. Um, a conversation where they're all like, um, uh, they're talking about, they're saying that the the, comp- the country runs better when the president is more fuckable. <laughs> and they're like, JFK ran a good country. Nixon don't want to fuck him, so he fucked everyone else. And um, they're not 100% wrong because Barack Obama ran the country really good and he was really fuckable. And Bill no, Clinton also that. ran the country no. all right. <laughs> Did you have to pick like two politicians <laughs> I have like such huge problems with? Well, both Like are- at least Bush... Put his hands down on the table and went, I'm going to... like. Are like, you Bush's whole thing kidding like, me? Bush is garbage. Bush who? W? Either. Doesn't matter. But uh, it, W, w was Dick Cheney ran it. And then HW wanted to run the country, but was keep giving his war ma- warmongering shit with the countries and whatnot that he was trying to run through a uh, fucking guy I hate, 80s uh, Reagan. The problem is, is, okay, then everyone says that fucking... Clinton did a good job. He took away Social Security. He I know, I know. The housing. He did the and then everyone says housing. Obama did a good job. And it's like, he's the he's de- deportation to Obama. He's drone strike Obama. He fucked up the whole Yeah, uh, but he's the first thing. guy to have drones. No, no, no. Bush had drones. Bush didn't use the drones. Bush, it, George W. had drones. Yeah, George W. had drones. Yeah, he didn't use drones. He just killed a lot of people and started yeah, and ISIS. And then Bush, Bush said, all right, we're not going to send our people there and kill even more people. Listen, Bush was worse. Bush is worse. Bush is worse than Obama, but Obama fucked shit up. And Bush no one is- talk everyone puts Obama as this kind of like paragon of good. And it's like Obama was garbage and largely inconsequential as considering that in like two fucking weeks, Trump undid anything he did that was relatively positive for the American people. It, it Obama is Obama is a bad president who sold who who ran on this idea of that we're already doing fine. When you weren't, it was he came in at a financial crisis. He the financial crisis, bailed out the banks in the financial crisis rather than uh, rather than using that money to help the people who were hurting from it, that they could all run away with it. He, he, he 
Yeah, he's but a garbage. But that's what he... That's what he represents for the states because the states is hemorrhaging, right? It's dying. Mm. And Obama is its last, like, glory days. He was never going to change anything. He was never going to fix anything. And he couldn't fucking do anything, Alex, because everybody are old. They're old school racists who he worked with. So he couldn't change anything because the minute he turned around, everyone blocked everything he did. He couldn't make any moves. I think, okay, you know he made pro- zero moves. You know, the, you know what the problem is? The problem is we're talking about... I'm talking about like Obama administration and you're talking about like Obama person. Okay. Obama person, probably fine. Like Obama person, probably a good guy. I'd say even like post-presidency thing, I'm like, hey, he's a chill dude. He has, some, he has some opinions I disagree with, but overall chill dude. I think Obama administration as a whole, like the whole administration, I have really hard problems with. Huh. I mean, sense? yeah, that makes a lot of sense because um, America is a shithole. America caca. No, it's, it's doing very yeah. badly and... My, my, I just my, think I just will never sit there and hear someone say, oh, George W. Bush was OK. No, I don't think George W. Bush was OK. Either. I think it's ridiculous that because we have Trump, all of a sudden we look back at him and like, oh, he's just an old man. He gave Michelle Obama candy at a fucking funeral. Uh, this guy was a monster. I would say yeah, I would say W. Bush was ignorant. And no, I think that's giving him too much leniency to say that he was stupid. He was stupid, but he he. He was stupid and destructive. Yeah, very destructive. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think being stupid absolves him. I also think, and I think I think a lot of what we pin on him is Dick Cheney, as you can look historically. I think I think the reason that America is falling apart and that people are like, oh, it's only happening now, is that it's been happening since like 1980 with Reagan, and it's been a slow erosion of the middle class, and then one explosion in 2008, and then we watch it, and then the, and then now it's like it's come for you. Like yeah, it's, it's like. Who's writing about it? Who's seeing it? Is who it's coming for? When it's historically been taking out groups and groups and groups of people from the bottom up. Sorry, I'm distracted because there's a very aggressive sex. Scene yeah, I was gonna say. I, I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's a lot of leg movement for. Like, I was like, that's like a lot of weight going into it. Do you think? I'm trying to think. I never do missionary, so I honestly don't know. You never do missionary. No, I don't like missionary. You don't even start and then go into the next one. If that's what he needs. I there's no there's nothing there for me with missionary. I start missionary and then go and go into something else. Yeah, there's nothing there for me. I guess missionary it's, is like the starting point, and we have a world of options following. Let's it. just say I was dating someone who, uh, if we're going to talk Sex in the City talk, was you know a larger gentleman, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. And we had to start missionary, or else I would die. Um, but okay, that's well, that, about it. Well, yeah, that's about <laughs> it. That's why. <laughs> But no, so the whole thing that's going on with Miranda, sorry, just a, a sidebar on, on political talk. Listen, listen, listen. I agree with you, Alex. I think you're totally right. And I'm also not as infor- as informed as I could be yeah. with that kind of stuff. But I also think that it would be ridiculous to ignore what Obama was, first of all, walking into and how he was perceived by the country and how he was essentially an actor hired to do a job. Yes, I think. Because he was there. Yeah, I, I don't he disagree he with you. was there. If anything, I wish Obama didn't win. I wish um, John McCain won and this country completely imploded because that's what the country <laughs> needed. The country. Yeah, the country did not need because he was a band aid over a bullet hole because yeah, everyone yeah. said racism's over. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Everything's great because we have Obama and that's not what the states needed. The states needed to realize how shitty from Reagan on and they needed to totally re- run their country to the ground and see what comes next but now what's happening is obama the reaction to obama was trump yeah and so the country socially is where the problems are right now like and that's I, what I would, obama I would argue, represented i would argue if we're talking like strictly politics on this is like 
Trump's policies would be pretty much the same as what McCain's policies are because they're kind of all downstream of Mitch McConnell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but it's it's funny it's funny you mentioned that because like I, uh, pre-election, there's people being like vote for Trump above Hillary Clinton, like be an accelerationist, like what the country needs is this, and I was like, that's no, some fucking bullshit. That's as, not what the, no, because Obama happened. I know the yeah, country yeah. needed that after Bush to point at Bush and be like, look at this fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He only won the second time because you guys are so homophobic yeah, yeah, that you didn't want gay marriage. Yeah, like the, Katrina, all that stuff. He yeah, still managed yeah, to win. I know, I know, I know. And the, the, my the uh, but like. There's like even like philosophers and like political scientists being like, we need the there's accelerationist ones. I'm like, that's garbage. And then post Trump, now it's like, like the my political opinions seem less fringe. No, yours are. This is why Bernie Sanders should yeah, win. Yeah, but yeah, there's only Bernie right now. Like that's, well, that's my opinion. Is like I'm like we, like Bernie has the base. I, I could I see Elizabeth Warren is coming. I'm coming around on her. I like Elizabeth Warren. I'm coming around on her. I don't know enough about her, but I was reading like, you know, like a BuzzFeed whatever. And I was like, this woman is who I would probably go for. Her her past I didn't like, like, because I knew her as a politician in the past. But then now her like current platform, like, you know, I'll come around on you. But I I will say like Bernie has a bigger base than she does. And if we're talking like just feasibility. There's no way that anyone's going to beat Bernie because Bernie was so close to winning to begin with. It's just the Democratic bullshit, like Democratic Party bullshit. That, that he lost the nomination because of the way the Democrat Party structured. He also raised like doesn't yeah. money fi- figure into it? Like he's raised the most amount of money right now. Yes. Anyways, it is interesting that watching Sex in the City it devolves into a conversation about politics because I think that the two are very interconnected. Because I think Sex in the City is America, yeah. like it is America. This is Disney. You know that's probably why. Because if you look at like okay, if it started in ninety eight, three seasons, three years. That puts you at two thousand and one ish when he would have left, which would change, which would change America's point of view yeah. from, from this like kind of like more personal point to like what the media then became. The well, America I'll tell you what happened. Two thousand like September eleventh happened, and the show became about distraction. Yeah, the show was all of a sudden about flashy colors. Did you see what Carrie was wearing? Blah yeah. blah blah. It was not about interpersonal. D- conversations because some of the stuff that they talked about in the first couple seasons very interesting and very like i don't know like interesting themes carrie on the uh, carrie unfortunately is a classic narcissist (laughs) and so her character is hard to like glob onto as you age and mature you think like i hope to fuck i'm not like that when i'm 30 like Mm. what a nightmare but they had really interesting themes and now it's just become a cartoon version of itself, which is kind of what the states has become. Has become like Trump is the cartoon president. There's a lot of sex in this movie. Well, yeah, it's Sex in the City. That was another thing. Sex in the City showed sex, and then when Michael Patrick King took over, it stopped being about like sex and more about like this bullshit. Yeah, like yeah. this is porn. Yeah, yeah. Whereas before they would show like like realistic realistic sex scenes. Yeah. Not that they were ever like gritty and whatever, but they just were more like yeah, that's what happens when you have sex. Yeah. I've, like, what the fuck? <laughs> so the whole thing. So we haven't been paying attention at all. Yeah. So here's what you need to know. Samantha's in LA, and she her um, boyfriend is really busy. He's on like a Grey's Anatomy type show, yeah. and she's not having the sex she used to have, and it's starting to make her go a little bit crazy. Okay. And she and she noticed that her next door neighbor is having sex all the time, and she just watches him from the jacuzzi because she is a full predator of a woman. <laughs> Miranda is not having any sex. She hasn't had sex with her husband in six months. And they tried having sex the other night, and she said, let's just get it over with. And he was like, are you kidding me? And he stopped having sex with her midway. And Carrie is a pretty, pretty princess who's looking at her big closet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Imagine. 
I, 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 the, as soon as I saw that, my first thought was just like, I, that you open that for me and I just have like one corner of it with my clothes in it. Like that's, <laughs> my rest is just empty. I have a lot of clothes for my closet, but my closet is as big as your closet. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you would see all my white tennis shoes would be displayed on that <laughs> shoe. <laughs> These shoes actually like change the course of history for women. Everyone, like every bride from here on out had those shoes. Yeah. Yeah. These Manolos. That's another thing. Sex in the City, like, changed how people dressed. It changed how people, like, people didn't know who Malone, like, Manolo Blahnik, Jimmy Choo, all these things mm. were for the ultra elite. And then Sex in the City made us plebeians be like, oh, I want a Manolo Blahnik shoes. Did it create a, like, cheaper version of it or was it still, like? Uh, they didn't do cheaper with themselves, like Christian Louboutin, but what they did is every other shoe designer yeah, yeah, now yeah. designs like them. Yeah. Except the problem is a Manolo Blahnik is 600 bucks because there's engineering in it so you can walk in it but if you buy an aldo version of that shoe your foot might as well just be cut off at the ankle <laughs> you might as well just stab nails into your heels and walk along oh yeah this is my favorite part about the movie every time samantha comes back to la they're always shocked that she's in uh, comes from la to toronto she's, yeah. they're shocked that she's toronto there. sorry where am i new york <laughs> Comes from LA to New York. They're shocked that she's there. But this woman is in New York maybe 20 times in the movie. And every time they'll be like, oh my God, she's here. And to me, that's just bad writing, bad direction. Yeah, yeah. Also, like the, yeah, the fact that like she has to keep coming back is very funny. Why did they do that? Why wouldn't they make him film a show in like New Jersey? Like put her yeah. in um put her on location so that she's miserable. That she has yeah. to be somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And then have L.A. kind of be an aspect of it where you don't see Smith because he has to go to L.A. Or, or even even she's there, she comes back, and then her plot is about her not, like, refusing to go back to L.A. Yeah. And just kind of, like, hiding in New York. Yes. It's like the, the, the coming and going is thus defeating any purpose of returning. And then it the whole the thing is, well, the whole thing is, like, See, this is when the show gets too meta. This is the outfit that Carrie wore in the credits of the television show, which means, are they aware that they're in a television show? I mean, I'd watch that. <laughs> like, why would they be like, oh, you're wearing that ballerina thing that you wore okay. on the credits of our television okay, show? Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, so, okay, okay, I'm going to pitch you a story that you're going to hate. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, Sex and the City, they're aware they're in a television show. Okay, one of my favorite outfits of the movie. Okay, anyways, go on. They're aware that they're in a television show. And they're, uh, they're they're trying to hide from you, the viewer, until they start revealing that they, they, one, don't want to be here, two, don't want to be having sex, but are holding up appearances, and it's a metaphor for rape and marriages. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why rape? Because they have to keep having sex in the city when they don't want to. Um, they want they want to go they they, they want to they want to talk about literally anything else. <laughs> I think I wish. Oh yeah, so Steve cheats on Miranda. <sighs> I have no idea how I would feel if, if my husband of like, let's say six years, mm. but we've been together for 10 years, but he had sex one time. I don't think I'd leave. I don't think you'd leave, but I think you're out the door soon. Yeah. I think you're winding up to leave once that happens. You've been in that moment, you're not going to leave, but you're not going to let it go. You, Vite, are going to let that go? I've gone back to someone who cheated on me. I know you have, but I, I don't, I, but you're. You, you held on to it, you know? Yeah, and I won. I felt like I was winning. I was like, yeah, that's right. You, you're you hooking up with me again. Ugh. 
I just think, you, you know what, marriage itself is too hard to also have the dynamic of feeling jealous. Yeah. Like, that's exhausting. Yeah. So here's what's happening with Carrie and Big. They are, um, she, yeah, so the wedding was supposed to be like 75 people, and now it's 200 people because she got the dress from the Vogue. From yeah. the Vogue. From Vogue. And Big is a classic avoidant, and the more that she needs him for stuff, he's starting to pull away. And he doesn't want to deal with the wedding. He He's embarrassed because it's his mm. third marriage. He's going to give his little thesis. Big became a real caricature of what he used to be, too. He used to be a dynamic, interesting character of a, of a real asshole man. He's pretty white noise right now. Yeah, and they really just... So what Big does to Carrie in mm. Sex and the City, the TV show, is one of the most horrific things of all time. Like, so they date for the first season, but they they are casual in his mind and serious in her mind. Mm. And she needs him to commit to her and he just won't do it. Mm. So they break up. They get back together in the second season and he commits to her, but he has real issues and will still do things like she tells him that she loves him and he doesn't tell her for like five days. <laughs> then... He says he has to go to Paris for his work and mm. doesn't tell her. Basically, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm leaving to Paris tomorrow. And she's like, wait, when were you going to tell me kind of thing? Then she realizes he's like, yeah, so anyway, so I'm probably going to have to go to Paris like for the summer. Like, chances are I'm going to have to start working in Paris. And she's like really pissed because he's not factoring her in in any way. Mm. So they have a huge big fight. And then she realizes that this guy's never going to change. It's the exact same relationship that they had before. I got to let him go. They break up. It's a very, like, good, sad episode. He comes back from Paris because it falls through in three months and is engaged to a 26-year-old. <laughs> that is my worst nightmare. If someone were to... <laughs> like, someone who could not commit to you... And then, commits. and then comes back and is engaged to this, like, 26-year-old. Then, it's such a good storyline with Big and Carrie. He gets married to her. Mm. Carrie finally falls in love with someone else and it has truly moved on from him. He runs into her and decides that he wants to have an affair and he, and he basically badgers her and like, like seduces her and they start having an affair in the third season. And they have an affair for like five or six episodes and it ends with her getting caught by the wife in the house and her running out of the house and the wife chasing her down the stairs and the wife falls down the stairs and breaks her teeth. Oh. And they have to go to the hospital and then she goes... We're done. And then that's how Big and Carrie like finally end things. That's good. It was like really that. good. It was really well done. Very interesting. And then Michael Patrick King walks. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. It was, and I think that is the only way. I thought that was such a good metaphor for ending that kind of relationship because Big is not someone who you should end up with if you are someone who is questioning your life and you're trying to work on stuff. Big is someone that you learn a lot of lessons from, but that is not mm. the person. And the fact that they forced it to be this like happy ever after with her and Big is very disappointing and very misogynist and like not what women should. What if he changed? Oh, you know what? Do mm. men change? Yeah, I change. Do you have, do you think you've changed? Definitely. I've changed. But sometimes you change, but when you are with certain people, mm. you get triggered and you act a certain way. Like I don't think how much work I've possibly done or how much work Greg could possibly do 
if we were to get back together, I would get really jealous and it would still be problematic. Oh, I think the things people hate about me haven't changed. I think I've changed. But like the things that people dislike are still there. In full. Yeah. Louder, if anything. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think relationships are very interesting to me. And this is why I like Sex and the City. Because it's a TV show where nothing else happens about relationships. <laughs> nothing else happens. The, the the arcs are not situational. None of that. It is pure what is going on inside these women's heads. So Steve's coming back to see if Miranda will. This is the rehearsal dinner for the wedding, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Look at that penis. Look at that penis. <laughs> HBO. HBO, baby. HBO showed uh only one dick the entire time Sex in the City was on air. And it was like someone getting out of a pool after skinny dipping and you saw like the side of a dick. Really? Yeah, that was it. Well, now Game of Thrones. Lots of flaccid people. Are there dicks? Tons. I don't need to see it. I don't. It's always flaccid. I don't need to see vaginas either. But you see you see Samantha's bush in an episode because she dyes it. God, I know. This is This episode's really showing everyone what a Sex in the City nerd I am. That is one thing this, this podcast is... Not really taught me of just like there's certain things I didn't think I was a big nerd about, but dear lord, do I know a lot about oh, it? Oh, I'm a huge Sex in the City nerd. Like whatever, however people are about like sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. I'm about this show because this is the show that I will watch until I fall asleep, kind of thing. Like mm. I will rewatch the season once every couple of years, or I'm not the se- the series. That's kind of kind of me with Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> I've never seen it. I hear it's so good. It, I don't know if you'll like it. I. I don't know if I like it. I love. I, there's parts of it that truly make me laugh in a way I can't describe, and I will go through times where I think nothing's funny, and then I'll watch all of Sex in the City. Uh, sorry, all of Sex in the City. All of Aqua Teen Hunger <laughs> oh Force. Oh my god, you too! Like, I just, feel like, that too. Just like I'll just put it on, and like, is there like 11 minute episodes, and you'll watch a whole season in two hours. I I will watch Sex in the City and be like, this show's stupid and I hate it, mm. but I will watch it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what that's about. It's just, also, you missed a key pop, plot point. Oh yeah. Miranda got in a fight with Steve outside and yeah, she came back and ran into Big yeah. and was like, I don't know why you two are getting married. Marriage ruins everything. And he's starting to get real anxious and real worried. Mm. Let that sink in. Oh, wait. No, I'm not thinking of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I'm thinking of Adventure Time. Adventure Time is, Adventure Time you probably like. Because Adventure Time has this song where it's like, making bacon, mm-hmm. making this. Yeah. <laughs> Someone posted that on my yeah. on my wall once, and I was like, "This is my favorite song." Like, period. No, you, you'd like Adventure Time. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. You'd like chunks of it, but you would not like it as a whole. Oh, okay. It's very like anarchic. There's episodes that come around though that I like get excited when I know it's coming up. Oh, that's funny. There's one episode where Meatwad gets a new toy, and it's David Cross as this like divorced dad with a knife for a hand, as like a little toy, and like all the games he wants to play is lie down and be silent for a second. <laughs> But I would babysit. <laughs> I would do this thing called, you know that game, Don't Wake Daddy? Yeah, like, yeah. So I would do a thing where I would lie on the couch and I would put obstacles on the ground and be like, okay, guys, you got to be sure to like crush all these obstacles. But if I hear you, <laughs> you've woken me up. So this is the game. And if you wait, and we'd play that for hours and it was just an excuse for me to lie on a couch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then there's another, at the same time, there's another toy that he gets which is an old prospector that just wants to jiggle <laughs> and he goes come master jiggling and then the divorced dad fucking hates him and the guy's just so afraid and like the dad like talks about like killing people oh god it's so brutal and so I, I, it makes me just a very sad oh, oh 
Commence to jiggling. It's one of the funniest things in the world. I wonder what it is about watching things over and over again, like what that satisfies in our brains. I've no, because I don't normally do that. It's just like it's honestly that's one of maybe three shows I, I'll watch yeah, again. Yeah, for me, I have Gilmore Girls, which that's a new show. That show I didn't watch until like four years ago. Man, every every woman of a certain age watches that show again and again, and I cannot like it's. That's a perfect show for falling asleep to. Because nothing happens. Nothing happens in episodes. Also, you know- also there's a secret because because Natalie used to watch it all the time. It was like on loop on our TV. Yeah, especially when that relationship was falling apart. Should oh, have used this as a sign, but um, I'd watch chunks of it and. Rory Gilmore is a secretly a libertarian, and I, oh, I will a, stand by that. The 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 financial issues on Gilmore Girls, we could talk about that yeah. forever. Gilmore Girls is a is a show about class, yeah, and yeah. it's very interesting because of that. Because Amy Sherman Palladino clearly comes from money, yeah, but she doesn't think she does. She's like the classic rich people that don't say that they're rich, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that is written all over the show, and that's very confusing if you make a world like that yeah yeah uh yeah 100 yeah because yeah. that that's one of the things where i'm like what the fuck is stars hollow but uh it's that- in connecticut but it's also like really close to new york mm-hmm. but also they can like go to yale like i got zero idea where that place is situated <laughs> uh and then, well because the reason why i say it's secret libertarian is that to make rory look smart they give her like different like philosophical ideas but all those philosophical ideas are like deep right wing and like early on, she gives a book for one of her boyfriends yeah, to read. Yeah, Atlas Shrugged. She wants her yeah, boyfriend to read Atlas and the Fountainhead. And the Fountainhead. And yeah, I was yeah. like, what the f-? I, I, remember, I remember crying laughing. And he's like, I don't like the politics of that. She's like, I know, but get past that. It's really good. I'm like, no, that's the opposite <laughs> of what Anne read. I tried to read Atlas Shrugged oh, because I was so like, hard. I want to read books that the I'm- a bad writer. Well, this is my thing. I was like, I want to read books that I'm supposed to read. So I was like, I'm going to read Atlas Shrugged because I'm just interested. And the next day I'm watching The Daily Show mm. and for some reason, one of the correspondents gives away the twist of Atlas Shrugged. And I was like, in what world? About what was the place? I'm trying to remember. Oh, the, the place where everyone, all the leaders go? Yeah, like just gave away what it was. And I was like, oh, this is clearly that every single chapter is ending with and this place and this place. And then they gave it away. And I was like, I'm not finishing this book. Uh, <laughs> TV ruins my reading abilities again. I tried to read Atlas Shrugged being like, because I... I obviously have very different political opinions to Anne Rand. And I hope so. Yeah. And uh, it, almost the exact opposite. And I was like, I'm just curious. I need to know. I, I can't just shit on it. And my main criticism of Atlas Shrugged is that she is a tip to tail bad writer. She is bad at doing book. Interesting. I gotta. I, I never read enough of it to remember. <laughs> tip to tail is funny. Okay, so... <laughs> Sam, my sister, went to New York and she saw this scene being filmed. Really? Yeah. Like, they literally stepped outside of their hotel and they're like, wait, what's happening? And they watch. You'll see. I'll show you which scene it is. It's coming up. And it actually just, it, it would be the greatest thing in the history of the world as a Sex and the City fan to, like, walk into. There's a couple of lines in this that are pretty funny. Like this part, he says, yeah, it's like pushing cream puff through a keel. <laughs> so the thing about this movie and show... That people who watch it peripherally that hate about it, I think it's a, I, I do believe that there is self-awareness to the show. Mm. Like, and I do even believe that the second movie, even though it's literally racist and over the top capitalism. Don't they go to Dubai? Yeah, they go to Dubai. Yeah. I heard, I heard, I have no idea if this is true, but it's because the show is partially funded by a Saudi king. 
I've never heard. That sounds like so no, the show, the, the, that movie, like sixty-two. Oh, a lot of movies have like that may, a bunch of Saudi money that flows through. That it. may be. That may be. But I was like, that's quite the conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, that's why they want us to go to Dubai. Um, so okay, so the whole thing is that big. It, he's anxious to the max, and he's gonna walk. He's not gonna do the wedding, mm-hmm. and. It's very selfish because my whole thing is, and I, I don't know, as a man, maybe you can give some insight. If it's your third wedding. You and should know. Clearly this wedding is just for the fun of the wearing the clothes and having fun. It's mm. clearly not 100% about marrying him per se. Wouldn't you just be like, you know what? I love my partner and this is what they want and I'm a rich dude. Why not? Like, what is the big deal? Yeah, I know. Or does it go against his moral fiber, I wonder? No, I th- uh, truthfully, I think they wanted to do a Sex and City wedding movie and had to shoehorn this in. It's like, it's it's dramaturgically That's wrong. another thing. Sex and the City never had weddings in them. Like, people got married and they were, like, Charlotte's wedding, you led up to it and then the episode ends when she's about to walk down the aisle. We never saw a wedding. Because, yeah, I don't think you need it. Yeah, yeah, same with... Because the thing about like what a wedding is, the wedding is objectively boring that you have to have some sort of twist on it to make it interesting. Well, the best about Charlotte's wedding is, so the whole thing is that she never had sex with her fiance because she wanted to like be new to him. She was like, she had this whole plan that she wasn't going to have sex with him. Mm. Oh yeah. Look, she doesn't want to work an iPhone because that's how old this movie is. That's funny. Um, and the night before her wedding, she goes to her fiance and is like it's technically our wedding day let's have sex and then he like can't get it up and then she's like about to walk down the aisle and she's telling Carrie she's like he can't he says he has a problem he's like he can't get it up and Carrie's like oh don't worry it'll be fine (laughs) maybe he just jerked off before and and then he was too embarrassed to tell you and that's why she's like yeah okay and then she got married and it's like oh imagine I don't know how you could marry someone without having sex with them though I don't know how you get dates without having sex with them. How do you, know? you start with sex and then work backwards? How do you know that this is your romantic partner if you can't have sex with them? I actually, but I guess maybe sex isn't. Yeah, okay, so he's saying he left. Oh my God, go fuck yourself, <laughs> sex in the city. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how we differentiate between friendship and lover if it's not through sex. That'd be a good point. The 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 slow motion drop of the phone, I know, because as Michael- if it's like an art movie, is gaudy as hell. <laughs> I know, but look, she gets married. She was gonna get married in the Toronto. Oh my god, why do I keep saying Toronto? <laughs> in the New York Public Library, and it's such a great place. It's so beautiful. Look at how funny Charlotte walks in this. Charlotte literally looks like one of the dust, like the the Beauty and the Beast appliances come to life. <laughs> is what her dress looks like. <laughs> so, yeah, this movie, what's the word? Is modeling a word? Modeling, yeah. I think this movie gets quite modeling, <laughs> if I'm using it correctly. I think you are. Yeah. I think if, if, it's, if there's more scenes like this, then yes, you're correct. This is what, okay, so they're going to go on her honeymoon together. They go to Mexico, and it's quite <laughs> modeling. <laughs> the podcast by yourself i'm gonna curl up and go to sleep this is terrible uh yeah it's not good but i'm telling you why we watch it yeah i know i also feel like as a feminist i have to support sex in the city listen i know that (laughs) it itself is not a feminist movie and it's not like technically good for women or for the gay community even though it was written by gay men (laughs) like they say a lot of 
shitty transphobic things and homophobic things. There's a whole episode in the third season where they're like, I don't think bisexuality exists. That feels honestly, I don't think bisexuality exists. It feels like every jerky gay guy I've ever met has said that. How could it not exist? I mean, of course it exists. <laughs> like, That's not my point. I just feel I I just know like I I'm picturing like three jerky gay guys I knew growing up being like, there's not this thing as bisexuality, either gay or straight. No. <laughs> either gay or lying. You're gay or lying. Yeah, they're like, I just think being bisexual is a stopover to gay town. Listen, for people listening to this podcast, I've watched Sex and the City too much to the point of like, like this is like, I'm embarrassed how much I've divulged how deeply I know this show. <laughs> Finally, someone talks about money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've no. been waiting. Miranda talks about money like crazy because Miranda's a lawyer. Oh. Yeah, Miranda's... Miranda's very special. She has a whole episode in the second season mm. where she buys her own apartment. And the whole thing is they keep asking, like, do you have a husband who's going to co-sign or a father? And she's like, no, it's just me. It's like, Miranda was, ugh, she was great. She also like super annoying and is not my type of woman at all, but I respect her. Samantha's my type of girl. Which one's Samantha? This one, Kim Cattrall. The one that has a lot of sex. Okay. You know, everyone's like, ooh, which Sex in the City girl are you? I might be Samantha. Which one am I? You're Miranda. Oh. You're a mixture of Miranda and Charlotte. What does that mean? Explain. Like, you like I, being in a relationship. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, you're like a relationship guy, and you like, like, um, steadiness, I feel. And that's, like, very Charlotte. And you're also very, like, level-headed. Um, oh, but you're also kind of, like, because you, you're into screamo, that's, like, boy- sad boy version of like romance kind of thing. <laughs> and so that's very Charlotte. And, and, but you, there's also about something about you that's Miranda. You have like a level headedness to you as well. Um, whereas I'm more Carrie and Samantha because I like having a lot of sex and I only do things that like motivate me for boys. <laughs> so what you're saying is that between the two of us, we are a full episode of sex. We're a full episode, baby. <laughs> Like, Samantha talks about men the way that I would talk about men. Like, she literally d- says, like, I'm dating a guy who's the funkiest tasting spunk. <laughs> and I would say something like that, and my friends from high school's brains would explode if I were to say that. They get, like, they get really upset when I talk about my period, and I don't know why. But sometimes. Why? I'm on my period, you, and I have to talk about it. Did I tell you when we were, at, me and Mal were in Blue Mountain, and she goes, the, like, we, like we're, we're setting up, we got, we arrived later than we thought, and we're like, we got, we got to go, like, snowboard if we're gonna go and so we're she's like i'm just gonna go to the washroom was like getting dressed in the hotel room and then as soon as she goes here I go oh fuck it's like what it's like oh, look at my period i didn't bring anything <sighs> and then i was like i mean we're at a hotel like we could probably get oh something. yeah that's true and she's like all right i'll go down I was like no i'll just call the front desk and she's like i can call i'm like no no now it's funny to me that i'm calling for tampons for you and i can't figure out how to call the front desk so just dial zero for the operator yeah and it goes to because like a like her mom booked us the hotel and we're at like some like like a hilton or something and it goes nice. to the call center in India. Oh. So like I pick up and I hear a call center and a woman who's like lying about her name being an Anglo-Saxon name. Oh. And it's like, how can I help? He's like, hey, I'm in this hotel room and I'm looking for tampons. She's like, what? And she just hears Maul cackling in the background <laughs> of her confused. And then a few minutes later, we get a knock on the door and a man just hands her a fistful of tampons. Wow. And we're like, wow, that's crazy. It's crazy you had to call, like, Dubai to get your tampons. That doesn't make any sense. Unless you're just being racist and really it was someone who worked downstairs. No. Because I could hear the, you know, you know, you know the call center background noise? Yeah. You could hear that. 
Okay. Of other people being like, hello, how can I help you? Unless like, there's like a call center in the basement of your Hilton. <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> Maybe. Either, I, I, just like the, I just like the idea that I called halfway across the world to get you a fistful of like no-name brand tampons. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look at this. <laughs> that's not a joke. Uh, that's Michael Patrick King. Mexicoma. Like, all of a sudden, Carrie started talking in like bits yeah. and she never talked like that before because my understanding of sex in the city is four women sitting at brunch making sex puns <laughs> yeah that's what it became it's like that's my there, understanding of what the show was also you know what's weird about the movie the what? whole show was because she was writing a column so carrie narrated it mm. via the column but now she's not writing no column so there's no narration so there's no narration so it's like why does this why are we watching this this doesn't exist in the reality of the world, we're only watching these stories because Carrie is writing them down. Mm, yeah. And that's why she would talk in like Mexico. Like at least that made sense because then it's like she's coining stuff for her article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now she's not writing it down. These aren't stories through the eyes of Carrie. So the movies don't make any sense. Also. What? We knew that the show really jumped the shark. Because Carrie would always ask, I couldn't help but wonder. And then she would ask a question that was the theme of the show. Mm. And in the fifth season, there's this thing about being like this guy's marrying a woman and he's very clearly gay. And they're all like, well, maybe they're getting married for practical reasons. Like maybe she wants companionship and he can't get the hot guys anymore or something like that. And she goes, yeah, but what about the Zaza Zoo? And it's this made up word of like, you know, that feeling of when you want to fuck someone, basically. And she literally writes, I couldn't help but wonder, how can you say I do without the Zaza Zoo? And I was like, the show's jumped the shark. (laughs) (laughs) Insanity. Yeah, you have to. I love how it's like you really want to fuck someone. You have to make up an infantilized word. Like You couldn't just say like. What about being horny? Like, what about wanting to I feel like pound? She sh- well, it made sense because she was writing the article, sure. But then she would have to explain what that is in the article for people to be like, what the fuck is a Zaza Zoo? <laughs> and she never used it before or after yeah, yeah. that episode. But I would call, see, if I were to talk about that feeling of, like, what it feels like to want to, like, do someone, it's always like, like you want to, like, ah, them. Like, that would be more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's more. Do we say our names? So Samantha Samantha just said the line does the the line does that mean saying his name more fifty times more than I say my name? Yeah, you never say your own name. You never say your own Unless name. Unless I'm being really depressed and, and talking you, myself down. But if you do say your own name, you're a psychopath. Yeah, I, Samantha is a psychopath. I mean, I I feel like the hour or so I've spent with these women, I'm just like, dear Lord. Oh yeah, they're all maniacs. <laughs> They're they're all and uh uh they're all the main character from my best friend's wedding. Oh yeah, Samantha is a little bit, yeah. but Samantha doesn't care about men in that way. She just needs to have sex because I think she had a problem in her life. <laughs> Samantha has a sex addiction that we don't talk about. We just like like oh her, she's just a sexual woman, and it's like well, she's a bit much. <laughs> So, like, that's another thing. She did a little pun because she was eating pudding from Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. But what's she punning for? It's not in the column. I think she just likes to pun because she has bad taste. Yeah, maybe Car- Carrie has that brain disorder where you pun a lot. There was, like, an actual thing that said, like, people who have, like, brain damage like puns. <laughs> <laughs> I hate puns. I don't like them. They're, uh, they're like... 
I don't hate them. I'm not one of those people that's like, fuck you for writing a pun, because that's like all of the Beaverton guys, even though they've created an entire newspaper on puns. But but they're really weird about puns, and it's like, but a really well-timed, clever pun can be kind of good. I I just find them probably lazy. Yeah, I, I just find that people hang a joke on a pun. I'm like, you don't need to hang a joke on a pun. Did I ever tell you why I started doing the news for Sunday Night Live? No. So Greg was doing the news alone, mm. and one week he did twelve pun jokes in a row, and by like the seventh joke, the audience turned on him, and they were not about it. Yeah. And then after the show, I'm standing with Jocelyn and Gary, and Jocelyn's like, "Hey, would you ever want to do the news?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay." She's like, "Yeah, we can't, we can't have that anymore." <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I started doing the news because of that. Because of a pun. And then and then the next week, I was, like, so um, overly confident. And because I didn't realize that Greg was a monster who, like, gets really competitive. So the minute that he had to share the news, he all of a sudden wrote these, like, beautifully constructed jokes. Mm. Not a single, like, just some of the best news jokes you've ever heard. <laughs> and I was sitting there with, like, very the first time ever writing a news joke and just dying and eating shit and looking over at him being like, you fucked me over, man. Like, you were going to do puns. Yeah. And then we started sleeping together, so it didn't matter after that. Dear Lord. It was because of the news. You're insane. I'm a maniac. I'm sex in the city. It is what happened, though. I know. <laughs> yeah, so Jennifer Lo- Lo- Lopez. Jennifer Hudson is because they've never had a black character on the show oh. ever. Except for Miranda dated a black guy. In I'm the- sure it was a big thing. Yeah, he was so fucking hot. Blair <laughs> Underwood is so hot. And they kept like talking about how he was black and stuff. Like this show is really bad with race. It's really bad. And so they, they were like, you have to have some diversity. But I will say, not in the defense of the show by any means, but these are upper, upper, upper class yeah, women yeah. in New York. They aren't. They're going to be white, yeah. Yeah, they are not mixing. The one thing that they that they fucked up is if Samantha's fucking a lot, she should be fucking a Puerto Rican guy like all the time because yeah, that yeah. is New York. Yeah, yeah, New York yeah. is Puerto Rican. It's yeah, actually yeah. obscene that there's no Puerto Rican characters in the show. Uh, yeah, that is weird. I, I watch, uh, you know who Jesus and Mero are? Oh, I hear, the, you're the second person to tell me about them. Oh, I've been watching them for years. I love them. Yeah, they're supposed to be really great. Uh, I don't know if you, you might like it. Actually, I don't think you will. They're very charming. Yeah, I think so. They're uh, on Vice, right? They were on Vice and they moved to Showtime. Oh, okay. And there's a big deal like that they went from like four days a week on Vice to one day a week on Showtime and they're like so excited about it. And they're like, we're going to do a better show. But anyway. Uh, I guess in certain houses. I have such a weird, not weird, like through the lens of Jesus and Marrow, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what the Bronx ma- <laughs> racial makeup is. I only know this because my sisters lived in New York, and Sam, yeah. the, in the short time that she lived there, she dated a guy from Puerto Rico. There's so like, like Mar- Maro's from, or sorry, uh, do you, yeah, no, Maro's from Puerto Rico, and he's and he's always got like, there's like a Puerto Rican grandfather character and like jokes. Well, it's also like such hey, a, puppy. it's such a big group of people that live in New York. Like they have a parade and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a big. It's like the Italians and Jews. It's just as big a... Yeah, yeah. yeah, they also don't date any Italian people, and they they do have a Jewish character. Mm. But it's like, Samantha should be fucking Italian dudes, like, left, right, and center. <laughs> These sheets are a fucking nightmare. But I also used to have a tank top like this when I was in high school. So, um, Smith Jared, the actor, mm. I don't know what his real name is, 
he came to Toronto and did a play directed by Woody Harrelson called This Is Our Youth. Okay. And I got tickets to it and I went with my sister and I realized that everyone in the audience was there for him because of Sex and the City. It was like even before the show had ended. Like it was like prime time for him to be alive. And it was a brutal play. Oh, yeah. But... Um, Woody Harrelson could Woody direct? Harrelson was sitting behind us. What? Because it was in previews. Oh. And I couldn't get over that. Like, I was literally, like, watching the play just being, like, <laughs> staring. Woody Harrelson drives me wild. I have such a crush on him. He's Isn't he an abusive dude? No, 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 no. He's, like, super chill and, like, a mm, pothead. No, no, please. No, 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 Please, please, please. Please, he was a natural sure he was born. Only, so, hey, here's, please, please, here's please, what I'm please. Of, no, no, no. Is that there was, a, you know, like a Reddit AMA? Is that, like, someone asked, like, hey, when I was, like, in university, you you were doing something there and you came over and, like, like fought, like, like had sex with this girl and, like, it was not super consensual, blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you think of that? And then Woody Harrelson, like, shut down the AMA. I mean, that's a real rumor mill. If, like, I can't, I can't go off of that. Mm-hmm. I believe women, but that's a pretty intense. Like, gonna, I can't speak to this. this. I can't speak to that. No, I love Woody Harrelson. He's such a sweet hemp-wearing pothead. Mm, can't really find anything. Yeah, because I don't think it's real. I mean, if you go like AMA, like that. The story I'm thinking of comes up. Yeah, there was a, a Vice article of like one, like I used to like him now, I think it's a scumbag, but I don't think it's about that. Okay, good. Anyways, I've, and my uncle's ex-wife used to date Harry uh, Woody Harrelson, and I would ask her a lot of questions about it. No. <laughs> it's not that bad being single. Is it bad being single? This is the problem with the show. <laughs> None of them end up single. For a show you know so much about, you have so many problems with. <laughs> It's really not bad being single. It's actually great. You know what? Singles being great if you can get sex on the reg. That is my advice to people who are single. So myself. <laughs> Should I go dark like this? I'm, I can't help you. <laughs> I guess this show is very... Um, like, I guess the issues people have with this show is like they would call it like vapid. Yes. And because they're just talking about themselves Mm. and they have zero um, awareness for the world around them. Wow, what a jump. That was incredible. How did she do that? But and I understand that. But aren't we as human beings vapid? Uh, I think to me, what it kind of does is it breaks like yes, this is probably closer to what the fuck is with her hat. I know uh, it's probably closer to to what we are like in real life, but um, you kind of like the thing of like you want like an internal conflict and external conflict with the characters. Okay, and so it makes their internal conflict external, like just vapidly external. Like that, and that's what people are reacting to. Okay, of that like the the internal conflict that would you would hang a lot of like stories on is also the external conflict so it feels that because it's one there's no there's there's two there's an internal external it's just one thing yeah yeah and so that's why they call it shallow yeah yeah because it's not dealing with any larger issues than what we see but it is i just don't think it's aware of it like the the impact that it had on society is that what i'm trying to yeah like the impact that it had on society is 
is undeniable. Mm -hmm. It was a movement. It was like it, it changed things. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's also like, what's it called? Like, it's not, it, it's feminist, but it's not intersectional feminism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So by that, by default, it's kind of sexist. And racist. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. Yeah, but I, I, I think I think a lot of people be like, they're, I don't know. I think a lot of people think art, art with like any media. They're like, oh, I want. There's like some perfect version of it that something's missing. Is the kind of a lot of their critiques of it. Like I think that's the wrong way to look at the world, uh, and look at the media. So be, so us being like, oh, it's like not intersectional. It's like you're right. Like they're rich. 40-something white women on the Upper West Side. Like, the, that's not going to be super intersectional. And the book was written by a real-life Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah, yeah. Candace Bushnell is Carrie Bradshaw. She was a woman of the 90s who was a writer who hung out with... She was almost like Truman Capote, to be honest. Oh, she yeah. hung out with the upper, upper class yeah. of New York. Yeah. And she was a little bit below them because she was a writer, so she didn't have as much money. But she still, like mixed in with this crowd and the first couple seasons also deal with character as a uh, Carrie as a socialite mm. she was kind of famous the way you could be kind of famous in the 90s yeah yeah, yeah. um which is, also related also related to that of, of like you being like oh it's like like these things led to this is is being like calling the show vapid or shallow is like the reason that it's doing that is to try and represent this feeling, try to represent something. Yeah. You know what's interesting? <laughs> Another movie that's very Sex and the City. So um, the book, sorry, Eat, yeah. Pray, Love. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning of Eat, Pray, Love, yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about um, this woman who was doing working in a refugee camp yeah. in Cambodia. Yeah. And she was there to help these people with, she was like a social worker to help with like very serious problems. And she said, all the people wanted to talk to her about was I'm in love with this guy, but he's now dating my cousin yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, we can say things are shallow. We can say, but we are just human. Mm -hmm. Like, like even in a refugee camp in Cambodia, people are still yeah. talking about this. I, I also do believe that anytime things have to deal with very feminine issues and talking about emotions is, is stereotypically feminine, uh -huh. people will shit on it. People uh -huh. will shit on women's stuff. It's why people don't like Martha Stewart because she took um, woman's work, homework, mm. housework, and made it an industry. An industry. Yeah. And people fucking hate That's why people hate goop. It's the it's the same. People hate thing. people hate goop for more than just that. You can't. It stems I, from there. Your defense of goop is insane to me. I didn't realize though. I forget who was talking about the fact that Gwyneth. Oh, Kevin, my my brother in law, who's yeah. a personal trainer. Gwyneth Paltrow made Tracy Anderson famous, and Tracy Anderson was a real shithead to the workout communities because the workout communities. Like, it is sexist. Like, women yeah. are weak and men are strong. Yeah. And they were trying to make women, like, women can lift. Women can do that. Yeah. And then this extremely thin woman came and was like, don't lift anything higher than three pounds or else you'll get too bulky. Yeah. That was, like, Tracy Anderson's thing. Like, move a lot with, like, a really low weight. Like, literally yeah. move like that. And um, Kevin was like, yeah, she inflicted that on the world and it kind of promoted being thin as health. And I was like, um... Interesting. I can't stand by that. I can't. 
Yeah, you, uh, every time you defend Goop, you then just come back with a reason why you should hate Goop. And I, I don't understand your defense of Goop. I don't get it. Because I like pretty, pretty stuff, okay? I'm a pretty, pretty princess who wants all the nice things. Just read like a French magazine or something. <laughs> you don't need Goop. Yeah, but Goop has good... Um, what? Goop has good what? Bath stuff. Well, baths are nice. You have a bath. You should be taking... Oh, yeah, you're tall. We talked about this. I don't bath. You're too tall. I'm too tall to bath. What a rude thing to say. Honestly, Carrie is so fucking rude to her friends throughout the entire seasons. She's very much like everyone saying, oh, the best is how they treat Samantha talking about sex. They are all sitting at brunch talking about sex. And then Samantha will say something. They'll all be like, oh, God, stop talking. And it's like, why does Samantha hang out with these women? They call her slut. Like, yeah. they're, they're really awful to her. Uh, but maybe it's because this is make, gonna make me sound maybe homophobic. But maybe because it's a gay dude is writing it, and maybe gay guys pile on top of each other in a way that women don't. I feel like dudes in general pile on top of each other in a way that women don't. Yeah, we don't pile. Like one person doesn't say something shitty, and then everyone launches. I only started doing that when I became a comedian, and it's like a very started comedian. started hanging out with comedians. But before, when people would make fun of each other, I literally would sit there and be like, "I'm incapable. I don't know how to do this." Like a good. I don't know. I feel. Uh, I feel it's a good like standing on the corner roasting your friend's shoes, is a very specifically male thing. Co- male comedian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, comedian, and, yeah, and it's written by a male comedian. <laughs> the kid saying, "Batman, where are you?" <laughs> um, he's just the perfect amount of cute and sexy. There, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, someone. <laughs> because he has a very cute face, and he has a cute voice, and he's like a sweet dude. He doesn't. I don't know. He looks like a dad. But he has a banging bod, like crazy abs and arms, and it's shocking. But in the show, he's just like one of the nicest men. Like the way that he's written, he's just someone who's there for Miranda and who loves her thoroughly, and she keeps pushing him away because I guess that's the dynamic of relationships. <laughs> You have a healthy view of relationships because of Sex in the City. <laughs> it's the dynamic of relationships sometimes. And never brought to mind. <laughs> I always remember this version of Old Lang Syne. Oh, yeah, look at them being entertained by their Chinese child. It's so <laughs> fucking weird. They're Chinese. It's so, like, that's the thing about, oh, we skipped over my favorite part of the movie yeah. where Charlotte is putting her daughter to sleep and she goes like this, now don't open your eyes, keep them really closed, close your eyes, and then she leaves the room. It's like, who puts children to sleep like that? That's so weird. Oh, this is one of the true, like fucking disasters of the film is Stanford Blatch, which is Carrie's gay best friend. Mm. Oh, which is where that movie Isn't It Romantic gets that from. That whole, like, Stanford only exists for Carrie. He's not a three-dimensional character at all. Oh, okay, yeah. And, and Mario Cantone's character, Anthony, he he's Charlotte's kind of gay best friend, but he was, he was the wedding planner. Yeah. They hate each other in the show, and it's really great how they hate each other yeah. because it's legit, and it's because Mario Cantone's character is an asshole, yeah. and Sanford gets hurt, and blah, 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 and in this movie, they become friends, and in the next movie, they get married, and it's stupid and dumb, <laughs> and it goes against everything. So this is maybe the fifth montage in this movie? I know. Can you believe? 
this feels like it should be the end, especially that we're now we're like nearly two hours into it. I've decided that Steve is my ideal type of look because kind of nerdy looking, um, unassuming, and a banging bod. I think that's what I deserve. What is the point of this montage? That everyone sat on New Year's? No, well, Carrie's coming to Miranda, even though she said she wasn't going to come over. Also, Miranda's like, I thought the point of having a family was not being alone on New Year's. And Steve legit said to her, come have New Year's with us. And I think I think that's parental alienation. If you are going to be alone, choosing to be alone instead of spending it with your kid because you're mad at your husband, that's parental alienation. Yeah, yeah. Spend it with your kid because New Year's isn't about your husband. It's about your child having nice New Year's. Mm-hmm. Instead, this kid will now internalize this and be like, being apart from his mom and then he'll have anxiety around New Year's and he won't know why. Anyways, I'm not a parent. I don't know. That's bullshit. Stanford and Anthony kissing is bullshit. That's the one hot take I have from this movie. You know what I think this movie is? Is they wanted to do a full season of TV. Yeah, 100%. And they just condensed into a movie. And that's why it feels like 12 episodes are ending all the time. Well, this is the thing. Yeah, it definitely feels like episodes ending. Like, this would be the end of an episode. Yeah. But it's because this was before Netflix, and honestly, Sex and the City should have held out and done what Gilmore Girls did and did four hour and a half long episodes. Which are horrible. Those episodes are bad. I don't think they're horrible. I think that, you know why I don't think they're horrible? Because the work that the mom does is really good. Like the grandmother? I don't remember. Oh, well, she's such a good actor. See, oh, she's back from L.A. and they have to justify it. <sighs> There's a song. Okay, so Sex and the City, their thing was like they've never been good at music. Like that's the one yeah, okay. problem I have with the show is like if the, whoever was doing the music was good, some episodes could have gone from like, ah, uh, to like really amazing. Mm. But they do have a song in this movie that is like a weird... Oh, there's a song that's like a remix to like Lenny Kravitz's It Ain't Over Till It's Over. And it's like my favorite song to run to. <laughs> it's like me. It's like sped up violin. That's so funny. <laughs> it gets me so excited when I hear it on my playlist. Oh, my God. That's funny. Sex in the City predicted the 2008 financial crash. Yes. Well, I'm pretty sure everyone predicted That guy, yeah, Christian Bale, in The Big Short predicted it and then bet against it. And then he was the hero of the movie. I hate The Big Short. I love. I like The Big Short. I hate The Big Short. Truly what happened. Uh, no. You want, you want to hear a weird one? Is my mom, one of my mom's friends from college. She's living, she's living in the UK. She traded asset-backed securities. It's like the people shorting against the housing prices. Uh, okay. And then she emailed my mom in like, uh, like about six months before the bubble burst yeah, and said, pull all your money out of this. This whole thing's going to go to, this whole thing's coming down. It was right when she left, she left her job there being like, this whole thing's going down within a year. Wow. And she was right. Yeah. People could predict it, but you had to be very, very plugged in. Yeah. Yeah. You had to be plugged in for years and years beforehand. Yeah. It was, it was like this, like this, her job was like affected like Christian Bale and, oh, okay. and like left her job being like, and then the first thing, like first thing did was email a bunch of her friends being like, Pull your money out of this, pull your money out of this, put your money in this. It's going to be chaos. Like, it's, she's like, the next year is going to, in the next year, something's going to happen. Interesting. Fun fact about Carrie Bradshaw, she, you missed it. She was eating artichokes. Yeah. She eats artichokes in a lot of eating scenes throughout the TV show. 
Why? I wonder. I think it's because Carrie, I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker, the actor, likes doing stuff with her face and hands while she acts. Mm -hmm. And so when you eat, she really emphasizes how she eats artichokes. Oh, yeah. She's telling her that she told Big that marriage is bad. This movie doesn't need to be this long. No, I could have done without that fucking fashion show part with those ugly dresses. A lot of it is lip service to fans. I think they think it's what we want. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting when it came out like new. Oh, I'm tired of this movie. <laughs> Too late. We got to finish it because we got time, you idiot. Yeah, I know. I'm hungry. That's not his problem. I am not on Samantha's side in this movie. <laughs> this guy is working hard. He's an actor. She's being a dick. She No, no, she's not being a dick. She's not being true to herself, and she should just leave him and stop being fucking emotionally abusive to him. Yeah, I know. Do you know what she does to him in the sixth season? What? She decides that he's too young for her, and they, but they end up going to a hotel party together, and her ex-boyfriend is the hotelier, and she goes upstairs and has sex with her ex-boyfriend and then comes back down, and he still forgives her. <laughs> that is an unforgivable move. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah. She kind of, that really sucks. That's like one of the worst, like you go somewhere with your partner and they go and they cheat on you within the night. Listen, I'm all about like maybe non-monogamy. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm about that. But having not monogamy in the night that you're out with someone is insanity to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because it's manufactured conflict. Yeah. Because this is a, this is a retread of something that they've already gone through. Now, the fight that they had in season three is because Carrie had just finished having an affair with Big. It ended terribly. And then he called her and said he's he's gotten divorced and he wants to just have a lunch with her. And Miranda's like, don't go. Yeah, yeah. And then they have this like huge fight. That makes sense. Yeah. This I, fight. I would say like, the fight doesn't make sense. And then. But then Miranda acts weird about it, where it's like what it should be is like Miranda being mad at Carrie for being like, why are you mad at me? Because then it's like less manufactured consent and more like that's within Carrie's character. Right. Manufactured consent, manufactured conflict. Yeah, man, sorry. Manufactured What's consent. What's manufactured consent? It's the Noam Chomsky book yeah. about, <laughs> about how uh, media is owned by corporations. And I, was like, I was like, why do I know this? As I watched that in high school. Right. Yeah, because yeah, emotions aren't real. <laughs> that's actually really bad advice what Carrie's giving I know her. yeah I was gonna say this is some real dumb shit Carrie's saying you can't base it on, um, on logic you gotta base it on emotions now the problem with divorce is we're trying to take something emotional and make it logical and that's why divorce is really hard and that's why mm. family law is kind of a, a futile thing Yeah. but when deciding about getting back together with someone you actually have to put your emotions aside mm-hmm. because you have to see what it's like to be in a partnership with this person and emotions are transient you are not your emotions so what Carrie is saying is very codependent and not at all good advice for her friend who's trying to decide to get back together with her husband and she's this expert yeah I know Make a good point <laughs> could never see to Miranda is like a very specific type of white woman that is also Kirsten Dunst. You mean face shape or attitude? Everything. Their voice. I don't know what it is. I do see Kirsten Dunst once you've said it. Right? It's Kirsten Dunst and she also has her voice too. Yeah. It's weird. Maybe they were raised by the same woman. How can you... I love Steve. Oh yeah, you're going to see a real 
hardcore sex scene in the next. So the movie sucks with the sex scenes because it was threaded into the show very organically. And in the movie, they're like, we've basically made a PG-13 film, but... It is called Sex in the City, so we have to have some sex in it. Mm. So you're going to see Stephen Miranda have a really, <laughs> like... Unnecessarily. Like, it's, it's fucking graphic. Here's one thing. and as, as a man who's never watched Sex in the City, the joke is, of course, the fifth character is New York. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and this movie seems to be not very New York-y. Well, they're on the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, but... I know. Is that what they mean? I love telling my writing students, now don't forget to leave a room for the fifth character in New York. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is very graphic. Isn't it graphic? Like, I can really feel how they're having sex right now. They're so sweaty, too. Yeah, like, I can really feel that, and I don't like it. <laughs> that was it? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> She's reading The Secret. Look at her sunglasses. Yeah. She's in L.A. This also was of the time of The Secret. Yeah, yeah. That's how long ago this was. Oprah was still on the air. This is a great bikini. Kim Cattrall, I salute your beautiful body. That's the fountain of youth, though, is consistently working out. Mm. She got that young skin on her body. That's where it's tricky. Yeah, yeah. Because Carrie has a great body, too, but her body looks like the skin's a little old. There, I said it. I'm sorry. No body shaming. Everyone's beautiful. Did I do my bit on the podcast before of that I did a Sex in the City buzz quiz, BuzzFeed quiz and I got, what character are you? And you I were got New York, New York right? Yeah. Yeah, I, okay, I did. And I talked about how the, my favorite line from 30 Rock is Liz Lemon saying she did a Gossip Girl BuzzFeed quiz and which character are you? And she got the dad's guitar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's some dick. Yeah, you saw the side of a dick. He is very sexy, this guy, but he doesn't do it for me. I need a personality. That guy also has a sexual problem. Yeah. That you would just be that easy to have sex with someone. Yeah. What would that be? Like, I guess these are people that don't fear, like, don't have fear. Because I think if I wasn't scared of, like, rape and stuff, yeah. I would maybe be, like, even freer with it if I could. Yeah, yeah. With strangers. But maybe that's a good thing that I have that fear. Fear isn't necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing either. I think it's what separates me from being a full maniac. <laughs> Probably, yeah. That's why I don't have sex with, like, I don't know, a guy I run into on the street. <laughs> She's pregnant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlotte got pregnant. <laughs> That's the whole thing is that she adopted her kid and then she got pregnant. When did that happen? In the beginning of the film. It's why she didn't want to run. We totally talked over that. Oh, okay. Charlotte has been erased from this film. Charlotte is the kind of, she's an interesting character, but she's the least fun to talk about because she's who I identify with the least. Okay. And her character throughout the show, her opinion is kind of the devil's advocate of like, you're acting crazy. This is how a woman should act. Oh, yeah. They're saying that Samantha gained weight. She's supposedly fatter because she has a gut. I actually don't even see the gut that they're. Is this the fourth time she's come back from L.A.? Yeah. And they're excited that she's back. What's with the gut? Like, I don't... Could they have given her a fat suit or something? Because yeah. honestly, her boobs just look great. And that's all I see. She's just sad even. She gained, what, four pounds? If I don't drink for a week, I lose and gain that amount of weight. Don't even. I wish not drinking would make me lose weight. I can't even talk about that. Really? Yeah, I don't I don't drink all the time. I, and I, I don't yeah, lose yeah, weight. Yeah, but I, when I stop drinking for a... a Chunk, I lose so much weight so fast. 
I also straight up wasn't drinking that much. Actually, there was a point when I was drinking that much, and then I remember I stopped drinking for a month, and my face looked less swollen. Yeah, yeah. That's there was a. uh, We were filming, I think, Shitty Tasty or something, and I was really drinking a lot at that point. And that I'm on camera for a like a brief second, and I'm like, oh my god, (laughs) like I'm so bloaty. Yeah, I know. Like a gross drinking, beer sponge. I remember when I was drinking a lot. It was a summer where I drank the most that I had ever drunk in my life. And it was hard for me to not drink, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember just feeling pale and bloated. Well, then you're a fucking idiot for buying that pillow, Carrie. Oh, my. Can I tell you a dumb story? Okay. So, Maul's mom only knows to show affection by spending money. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. Maul hates it because yeah, Maul doesn't Yeah, I know a lot of people who have that. I know I know people who have that. Yeah. yeah. So she needed new pillows. She let it slip to her mom. I was like, I'll buy you pillows. And Maul's like, all right, whatever. And then she's getting texts about pillows. Maul's like, I don't fucking know. I just need pillows. Like, please stop. And she comes in with pillows. And it's like, they're very like nice pillows or whatever. And then at some point, Maul finds the receipt. They were $400 a pillow. What kind of pillows for what? For her bed? Whoa. They feel like regular pillows. Can I say something just so mom maybe doesn't hate her mom so much? Yeah. There is something called languages of love. That's what I told her. And and her mom's not doing it to like buy her. She's doing it because that's how she understands how to express. And like, yes, mom may need something else. And listen, I don't want to psychology, like what do you call like yeah. psychoanalyze your girlfriend and or her mother relationship. But I will say it might make her life easier if she realizes that she's not trying to bribe her. She's actually trying yeah, I think- to show show mall understands love, that but yeah but i say that like coming it. from a mom who yeah. is very emotionally yeah, yeah, yeah. supportive and yeah. that's hard for me to understand like i don't even know what that means i come from a place of privilege with a mommy yeah, yeah. um this is my favorite line is he goes no no keep the ring because she's about to give him back the ring and he goes no keep the ring she goes okay like immediately doesn't mm-hmm. even <laughs> say no went back to new york yeah, now she's going to live in New York because she doesn't manage him. If Samantha being fat, 15 pounds, is a prop. Like, that's another thing. Sex in the City, actually, one of the best things I ever heard is I remember seeing Charlotte, this was years ago, on The View. Mm. And they were like, we have a question. Like, do you ever feel pressure to be thin for the show? And she was like, okay, you guys want to know the truth? The producers don't like it when we're too thin because we're not relatable enough when we're too thin. But you know who gets pressure? She's like, the men. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I love that. I think that's great. Because <laughs> the men have to look... Yeah, cut. Cut. Or not, at the very least, like, because Big is not a cut man, but yeah. like... He can't get bloaty and alcoholy like I do. Yeah, which he kind of did get bloaty, but I don't think he's alcoholy. I think he's just aging. He's just yeah. a thicker dude. I didn't talk about it. When he's in the movie, he's shirtless and his chest is maybe the size of like a freezer. It's like <laughs> this big. Like Carrie's entire body fits on top yeah, yeah, of it. I wish that the show matured in the way that human beings mature. And like instead of the movie being about Carrie going through this rigmarole again with yeah, Big, yeah. if it could be about what it's like in a relationship that has problems with an avoidant person. Yeah. That would have been really interesting. And they A mature, interesting take? 
Yeah, and they try to do that in the second movie, but the second movie's so fucking insane that, like, don't even... And Carrie's all obsessed about, like, furniture in her house or whatever and that she cares more about things than him. And that could be interesting if it wasn't, like, so badly done. Mm-hmm. Um, this was my issue with It's Complicated too, right? It, it felt very much like how a woman of her 20s would deal with that situation. Yeah, like you said, it's like it's it's we we are more attuned to stories about people in their 20s than we are because you have to be a little insane to make an interesting story happen. Yeah, it, you when it's character driven, yeah. you know, I know. But that's one thing I find in it weird is that like it's just like we're pitching like we're just pitching a bunch. We got this stuff is like. We're looking for character driven, for character driven because it's realistic. I'm like, it's not. Like, I don't. I I, I think that's interesting. No, it's not realistic. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 as unreal. This is what Mindy Kaling says in her book. Yeah, romantic comedies need to be as unrealistic as sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think I, when people say character driven, they're like, oh, it's realistic. I know these people. Like, you don't. The you, word you is don't and stop acting like you do. The word that they're looking for is grounded, not realism. Yeah, you want things to exist in a in a world that looks like our world, but it's not but the it's, same. But that's as insane as the unsane. Oh, that's a great jacket. Um, I can't believe you would run and kiss him. I would throw up if I saw him, and then I'd maybe want to have sex with him. <laughs> what a confusing <laughs> series of emotions. <laughs> What an absolutely insane series of things that would have happened. Just, all right, come here now. I would definitely diarrhea myself. Yeah, you're just you're so hot and mad, like a literal mess. And you're like, come fuck me. I can't. I can't tell you. It's not my fault. Make out with this puke hole. It's not my fault that my anxiety manifests itself in running to the bathroom. Like, now that I'm scared of planes, before it was a thing when I would travel where I'd be constipated. Now it's like, everybody open the doors. (laughs) 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 I can't help it. Welcome back to bodily fluid cast. (laughs) Last week we talked about pulling out this week. Oh yeah, we did talk about pulling out. Because Mamma Mia hinges on the notion of pulling out. (laughs) Sorry. Just does. I feel like marriage would be really spoiled after what he did. Like, this wouldn't be a happy day for me. Yeah. You said you'd go back. That's what I mean. Something... Would I go back to Mr. Big? No, I'd go back to Steve. No, it's just you said you'd go back to Steve. It's like something like this happens. You don't let go. You're going to hold on and flip it over in your head and build anxiety out of it. But you know what happens is when you have space, you can wear what you feel. I like the song too. What do you want to say? Um, I forgot what I was saying now that I'm singing. <laughs> oh, the space that you have from the person will make you realize if you want to be with them. And like a, sometimes. They go to the Cheesecake Factory? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, keep going. And sometimes the space lets you understand. You know what? It's pain. That pain that he caused me is less painful than how I feel right now. D- disagree. No. I think he caught. I think the pain you have right now in the space is pain that he caused you. Yeah, and the and the only person you want to make you feel better is the person who caused the pain. So you have to like not go to them. Life is so hard. <laughs> Why do we hurt our, each other? So Kim Cattrall is not 50 years old when this film came out, and I'll tell you why. My uncle worked with her, and she was older than him. Oh, yeah? So she was like two years older than him. Am I, that means she's 70 years old right now. 
What? Yeah, which means when this movie came out, she was like 58. What? Yeah. So Kim Cattrall has been lying about her age for so long that she can't go back, right? Like she can't. But if I was her, I would be like, yes, I'm 58. Look at how fucking amazing I look. She you, she doesn't have that. I don't think she has that emotional security. But she can't say it. No, yeah, but yeah. it's too late. It's too late, yeah. It, it, she's been living this way since the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Because my mom met her, too. And my mom's like, well, when I was 26, she was 28. Ooh. So, yeah, like, she is 70. Yeah, yeah. She looks amazing. Yeah. She should... Tell the world that she's that age. All right. We live through this fucking movie, right? There's, there's like another whole other chapter of this fucking thing, is there? No, it's done. But the song's good. Oh, thank God. So, Alex, how'd you feel? I hated it so much. You hated it? Did you hate it as much as I hated Mad I, Max? I hated, it, I hated it different. Yeah? I didn't hate Mad Max. I just didn't like it. Love! <laughs> um... So what did we learn about my sexual history? <laughs> this time? Not a whole lot. Not a lot. We learned in the Mamma Me episode that I've had unprotected sex. <laughs> we kind of all knew that. But I think everyone's had unprotected sex. Uh, if you've had sex, you've had unprotected sex. I, f- I have nothing more to say about this fucking movie. What do you got? You got anything to say? Any closing thoughts? <laughs> closing thoughts on Sex in the City of the Movie. Um, if I were to, every time I make fun of nerds for sci-fi or <laughs> anything, really, sports or whatever, yeah. I need to ground myself and remember what an extreme nerd I am about Sex and the City, this TV show. And understand that we all have things that get us going, and this TV show gets me going. Good job. <laughs> anyway, good I, night. Good night, I love you. <laughs> uh, real quick.